Good morning and welcome to worship at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. It is a delight to welcome you to this hour of worship. We are glad that you're here this morning. If you are a visitor among us, we extend a special welcome to you. We look forward to coming to know you. Uh, know that you are invited to head out to the atrium, which is through the north transept doors. And to the right, there is a counter there and there are folks to greet visitors, to answer questions about the church's life and ministry and ways to become involved. Know that that invitation is before you. We have a special gift for you to express our gratitude. Uh, we also want to welcome those who may be live streaming us online or listening on WRR. We are glad that you are here with us uh, virtually this morning. For those of you who are gathered in the sanctuary, please uh, get the friendship pads that you will find on the outside aisles of your pews. Note your presence with us this morning. We always appreciate knowing uh, who is with us and uh, note the names of those who might be worshiping around you so that at the end of the service you can greet each other by name. It is one of the many ways that we endeavor to create community here and so we encourage you uh, to do that. There are cards in your pew racks, uh, prayer cards and connection cards. Use those as you would like. Uh, the connect card is to let us know of questions or interests that you may have in the programming of the church. Also, prayer cards are there for you uh, to give you an opportunity uh, to share with the pastors and the deacons uh, prayer concerns or prayers of celebration that you might have in your life that you would like to include uh, in the prayers. We consider it a privilege to pray with you and for you in the weeks uh, between services, and this is one of the ways that you can let us know. Those cards go in the offering plate later in the service. One announcement that we want to highlight for you, it is hard to believe that the gift-giving season is upon us, but it is. Um, I think that uh, retailers would have liked for me to have made this announcement back in September, um, but uh, Angel Tree, our Angel Tree program is up and running, and so this morning, if you've been around, you know what this program is. This is an opportunity where you are given the chance to buy a gift for a child. Uh, we are focusing on two of our ministry partners this year. Uh, we are focusing on Heart House Dallas and Literacy Achieves, both of whom support refugee and immigrant families in our city. So if you will find the Angel Tree table out in the atrium, you can learn more about this ministry and learn how you can participate in meaningful ways this holiday season. Today is the uh, culmination of our commit season. And we are delighted to have Ryan and Haley Dale uh, to come forward to share with us a bit. And I'm calling on my colleague, Matthew Ruffner, who will uh, have a few words with the Dales this morning. Ryan and Haley, as you're coming up, I want to thank you all for uh, having a conversation with me for a few moments. I have to tell you, um, we have conversations in the hall hallways all the time, and y'all never seem nervous. But when I ask you to stand in front of the congregation, y'all get really nervous. <laughs> And I don't know why that is, but uh, I want to introduce Ryan and Haley Dale to you. Uh, Haley and Ryan, will you tell us how long you have been members of Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church? Sure. I've been a member my entire life since I was a little girl. Oh, and you were born here? Like yeah, your family? Right here. Not in the church. Yes. But... <laughs> right, right here. Right here. <laughs> that would be a story. And Ryan, how long have you been a member of the church? I joined in 2014, so five years now. Five years? And that was right after... Blair Money married us. So. Right here in the sanctuary. Right yeah. oh, so you joined after y'all um, got married? Yes. That's what Presbyterians call it evangelism. Was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't really do the evangelism word until uh, marriage. So we're so glad you're here. Uh, so 
tell us about your family. Do you have kiddos? Yes, so we have two little boys, Jack, who's five, and Hampton, who's two and a half. Is that right? Why is it important that you all raise them in the faith and that you raise them here at Preston Hollow? I mean, personally, for, you know, on behalf of both of us, I think this is just such a great community, a great church family, and we're, we're honored to be a part of it and, and contribute uh, towards, towards this family and, and show our, our two boys to do the same. You know, I think when we walk into the church, it just feels like home, and we want that to continue for our boys and all the kids that we get to see running around the hallways, and we're just so appreciative of the direction the church is going and what leadership is doing, and I think it's, it's important for us to make this, this church a priority and continue to support it in the best way that we can. When you think about the ways that you commit to Preston Hollow, um, is that time and resources? Is is that a decision that y'all make together? Absolutely. Um, you know, not. You don't want to use the the recent you know, weather event here as a as a an example, but I mean, really, that was a, a perfect example of how everybody contributes whatever they can, and that was I was proud to be a part of that and you know, volunteer my services and resources and time and um, and it just. You don't need something like that to continue to feel the way you do about this place and this family. You know, I think we all get pulled in so many different directions, and it's just, we talk about what's a priority for our family and where do we want to put our time and treasure. Preston Hollow is it? I have to tell you, uh, in the wake of the tornado, um, moments like that reveal what we most value. And I can't tell you how many dozens of tacos, uh, breakfast tacos, that Ryan Dale went and picked up from around the city and brought to the church so that we could take out and heat up uh, for our first responders. I can't tell you uh, how many golf, golf cart trips he made. I can't tell you how many trips Haley made up here with the boys. Um, and so we're so grateful for your commitment, not only during uh, seasons of uh, immediate need, but to the long-term vision and mission of Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. And can I just say thanks for standing up in public and talking with me? You did great. Can we say thank you to Ryan and Haley? Thank you all. Well, friends, as we think about today and this being the culmination of our commit season, uh, you are going to hear those same kind of sentiments throughout our worship service. For the last three weeks, as a part of our commit season, we have explored stories in the Bible of when people have risked something big for something good. We began with the Israelites, who in the wilderness of exile were asked to give toward a building campaign to build something, to build a tabernacle. They risked something big for something good and gave of their limited possessions to what they most value. They gave so much that Moses had to instruct them to stop giving. Can you imagine being a part of a faith community where the message to the congregants is, we've got enough, stop giving. We then learn from Moses' birth story of the incredible risk that Moses' mom, Yoshebed, took to save his life. Yoshebed defied the law, she defied the decree that all Hebrew slave boys be executed. She defied Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the land, and saved her son's life, risking hers in the process. She risked something big for something good, and Moses becomes the leader of the Israelites. Last week, we learned that the daughters of Zelophehad risked something big for something good to gain back the land that they had been promised to. They risked breaking the law and the social norms to accomplish this. 
what undergirds each of these stories that we've wrestled with over these, this commit season are people who risked something big for a purpose that was far greater than their own. They risked their own lives, their influence, their well-being, and they trusted that their faith was bound in God's story. Our own faith is bound in God's story this very day. So I invite you to listen this day for this theme throughout our worship as we do worship Holy God. of God's steadfast love pours into our lives and flows out to cover the world. We gather together as God's beloved people, a sure sign of God's everlasting grace and mercy. With thanksgiving in our hearts and joy on our lips, let us sing praises to holy God.
God calls us to know ourselves, to acknowledge our times of success and our times of failure, and to do so in community and in prayer. As we pray, we are met by the grace of God and by hope in forgiveness offered. In humility and faith, let us be honest with ourselves and with our loving and gracious God as we pray our prayer of confession together. Eternal God, we confess that the storms of this life are overwhelming. Rather than turning to you, we turn to quick fixes and cling to easy answers. We seek affirmation and safety from the idols of our own making. So you invite us to witness your power, to leave our comforts and lean into faith, not because following Christ Jesus is safe, but because it is the path to abundant life. Holy Spirit, Deliver us from our fears, hold faith for our doubts, and never let us go. Humbly we pray. Amen. From everlasting to everlasting, God's grace and mercy are freely given to us all. As far as the east is from the west, so great is God's love for you and for me. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. me in prayer. God, whose giving knows no ending, open our hearts and minds to the gifts we find in your word to us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, teach us your ways, and give us courage to risk your abundant gifts to us for the sake of this world. Amen. Have you ever wrestled over a really big decision? Like a really big decision, not like uh, where are we gonna have lunch after church, but like a big decision. Like the trajectory of your life kind of decision. Have you ever wrestled over a decision like that? And you, and you think about what to do, you know, you could go either way. You don't know where to turn, so you think, you know what? I, I should pray about this. And so then you pray and you, you still don't know uh, what, why, what to do. So you talk to your partner or your spouse, or maybe you make an appointment and you come and talk to uh, one of the pastors here at the church. 
And you still think, I, this seems pretty risky. I don't know what to do. I'm talking about big decisions, like, uh, like you're at a law firm. And you've been busting it for somebody else's name on the building. And you think, you know, I could step out there and go on my own. It seems a little risky. Or maybe you've uh, practiced with the same practice your whole career, and you think, I don't know, I, I sort of value, I value some things differently. Or maybe um, uh, you've moved to a new town, you want to be uh, near your kids, and so you think, which, uh, which senior living community should I buy into? You could go back and forth. Or maybe it's about your kids. You apply to like the 5,000 schools here in the Metroplex. And you've paid all the application fees. And you think, I don't know which one's right for little Johnny. Do you feel like you've ever arrived at the end of that decision? You have, you, 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 you've thought about it. You prayed about it. You, you finally have made a decision and, and you sort of step out there and you think, I think this is the right decision. Everything seems to be going okay. My practice didn't fail. Little Johnny seems to be thriving. This retirement community seems to be pretty nice. But then, you hit the first little bit of turbulence. Things get a little rocky. Billable hours go down. Caseload is not what you thought it was going to be. You actually have dinner with some of the residents at the retirement community, and you think, uh-oh. <laughs> or you think, little Johnny's not progressing as fast as they should. And before you can blink, you think, I knew it. We should have never done that. This whole thing is going to be a catastrophe. The bottom's going to fall out. It's a disaster. This whole thing's going to blow up. What am I going to do? You ever been there? I got to tell you, that narrative is not foreign to my life. Oh, I know the narrative of think, pray, decide, doubt. Especially around decisions uh, that require me to risk something big for something good. For instance, uh, like when the Ruffners were minding their own business in Atlanta. <laughs> and this church in Dallas came calling. I loved the committee. The committee seemingly mostly loved us, which was good. We showed up right here in this sanctuary. I preached, you voted. We went back to Atlanta. We put our house on the market. It sold in like 37 minutes. <laughs> the Packers showed up, not the football team, football team, but the people to pack up our house. Then the movers came in one big truck. And I'll never forget, I'm standing out in our driveway with Olivia. I'm sort of taking all this in. It happened in a blink. And I will always remember thinking, what are we doing? Did we really agree to this? I mean, I think we love them, but we don't really know them. Our support network is here. 
Life was fine. Why do we need to move 1,300 miles west? What if this community actually doesn't want a young minister? Maybe they thought they did, but they don't know what all that entails. There's going to be some growing pains in that. What if I bomb? I mean, what if I really bomb? And my very next thought is, well, we're about to find out. Because I'm preaching on Sunday. Okay, um, what about us as a community? Think, pray, decide, doubt. Police shooting happens right in downtown Dallas. It's the middle of the summer. We had to bring in like extra chairs into the sanctuary that Sunday because we knew something tragic had happened in our city. We needed to come together. We needed to heal. We needed to talk. We needed to turn our attention to God. And in the wake of that police shooting, the leadership of this church said, there is a conversation that we feel like we need to be having as a community. It's, it's the thing that we don't talk about, but it undergirds the whole thing. It's the conversation about race. And we said, that's an important conversation. So we thought about it and we prayed about it and we decided, you know what? Race is going to be a conversation that this community doesn't shy away from. So we started a class, the Race Still Matters class. And that conversation is still going. In a couple of weeks, we're going to launch our second racial justice pilgrimage through the American South. But I got to tell you, there have been some moments in the last two and a half years where we've learned that talking about race is hard. It's messy. It's layered. Have I mentioned that it's controversial? And there have been more than one moment for me where I've been in these conversations, in this building, and I've thought, whoo, we need to stop this. Abort, 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 get out. This pot is going to boil over, and I don't know what it means. Think, pray, decide, doubt. Or, um... On Commitment Sunday, it happens to me every Commitment Sunday. For weeks now, Sarah Ruffner and I have been having the conversation in our house about the number. How much are we going to commit to this year? What is our financial commitment to Preston Hollow going to look like? We think about it, pray about it, and then we finally decide. And can I tell you what happens next? It always happens to me. I can't speak for her, but it happens to me. We turn in our commitment card. And it always happens two or three days later. I think this. Did we overextend a little bit? I mean, did we get to a point where we're actually going to notice What if this requires us not to do some things as a family that we really want to do this year? What is our monthly budget going to look like? We think, we pray, we 
inside, and I can't speak for Sarah, but I'll speak for me, then I doubt. I wonder uh, this morning, if you think about the big decisions in your life, if you've gone through a job change, if you've moved to a new uh, city, if you've ever enrolled your kids in school, if you've ever moved your parents, or maybe you've moved into a senior living facility, if you've ever chosen a college, I wonder if you can look back on those decisions, and I wonder if that rhythm is also present for you. You think about something, you pray about it, you decide what to do, and then you doubt. Surely I'm not the only one. Because as I've been wrestling with um, our passage for this Sunday, I see that rhythm at work for one of the disciples. His name is Peter. Peter thinks about something, he prays about it, he decides, and then he leads to a place of doubt. And I'm going to read that story for you right now. And if you want to follow along, it's in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. We should know that uh, John the Baptist was beheaded. Jesus withdraws to pray, to worship, to breathe in. Then the crowds follow him, and Jesus feeds the 5,000. They feed them, and Jesus is going to withdraw away again. It's the end of that night, and listen to what happens next. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds, the 5,000. After Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, to breathe in. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. All right, I want to pause here just for a second. In the Greek, this section of Greek is uh, what we understand is the ego a me. Ego a me is it is I. It's the same language that God uses when uh, God encounters Moses and Moses is afraid. God says, it is I. And Moses says, well, who am I to say that you are? And God says, just tell them I am sent you. The ego a me, this is the divine revelation to Peter. It is I, ego a me, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Peter was in the boat to begin with because there was a moment in his life where he thought and prayed about whether or not he wanted to follow Jesus. I would imagine as a disciple of Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago and even today, that is probably a daily thought and prayer. Do I still want to follow this Jesus? 
Peter is in the boat because he has thought and prayed and decided to follow Jesus. And what that means for Peter is, in this instance, at night on the water, Peter has to decide, is he going to leave the comfort and stability of the boat and step out in order to follow Jesus? Peter decides yes. And before he can uh, blink, he's walking on the water, and he's well on his way to Jesus, and he hits a bit of resistance, a little bit of turbulence, and that resistance and that turbulence calls him to question his decision. He doubts. And his doubt pulls him down. Don't you know in that moment when Peter hits the resistance and doubt begins to pull him down, don't you know Peter is thinking to himself, what am I doing? I should have never gotten out of this boat to begin with. It was a lot easier to stay back there with those 11 knuckleheads who obviously didn't get out of the boat either. I shouldn't have risked it. And then Peter begins to sink and he cries out to Jesus and Jesus pulls him up and and Jesus says to Peter, "Uh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Doubt what exactly? Doubt what? Having grown up in South Carolina, this is how I uh, have heard this text preached and taught. Peter doubted Jesus, and if he just wouldn't have doubted Jesus, then he would have never fallen in the water to begin with. This is so easy. It's Peter doubting Jesus. That's why he fails. If he wouldn't have doubted, then he would have been able to walk all the way to Jesus. So how don't we doubt Jesus? But what if that's not what Peter doubts? What if Peter doubts something altogether different? Rob Bell, who's a theologian, sort of opened my eyes to this this week. He says, um, just to be clear in the text, Jesus wasn't sinking. Peter was sinking. And if Peter is the one who's sinking, who does Peter doubt? Himself. Well, that changes things. If Peter doubts himself, If Peter doubts the risk that he has taken, if he doubts the greater path that is uh, before him, if Peter doubts his own capabilities, and it's his personal doubts that pull him away from this greater path, that's an altogether different thing. He doubts the path that required him to take a risk in the first place. Which I got to tell you, seems like a pretty valuable lesson. Seems like a valuable lesson, uh, not only to Peter, but to me personally, and I would imagine to all of us. That the journey of faith will require risk. And a life of faith will beckon us to go beyond what we ever thought we were capable of. And apparently, doubt is part of this journey. Not the antithesis of faith. 
but rather Richard Rohr says, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. So then, what if uh, doubt, my dear friends, is one stop on our journey of every decision that we make that requires us to risk something big for something good? What if doubt is just like thinking and praying and deciding? And doubt is baked into the whole thing. That would change everything. If I understood that doubt was baked in, if it was part of every equation, then perhaps when resistance hits my life, Maybe I would be less likely to freak out and want to run in the opposite direction. If we knew that doubt was baked in, then we would maybe know that when we reach the place of doubt, when we reach the place of doubt, that may be a sign, it may be the best indicator that we are on the right path, that we are on the threshold of going deeper, that we are on the path of taking a risk so great that we cannot fully depend upon ourselves any longer. What if doubt is actually a sign that we're headed the right direction? Think about it. Think about it. Jesus didn't tell Peter to get in the boat then go to shore and kick him out of the boat, did he? I don't think so. Two chapters later, you know what Jesus tells Peter? You're the rock on whom I'm going to build the church. So no, it seems like Peter's still in the boat. But I think if we ask Peter after this night walk, what did he learn? I think Peter would say, oh, I got back in the boat, but I was a different Peter than the Peter who left the boat in the first place. I'm a Peter who now knows that the path that I am called to is far greater than the one that I could have ever imagined for myself. This Peter realizes that this life is going to require him to risk something so big for something so good. I've been thinking about the founding families of Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church this week. Some of you know this story. You may be visiting this morning and thinking, great, I showed up on Stewardship Sunday. (laughs) But if you're visiting, you should know this story. It's in our DNA. We were a new church plant here at Preston Hollow. From what I understand, this used to be uh, the boonies. This was really far north Dallas, and a core group of families started our church. And uh, when they went to build our campus, they ran out of money. And so those families, uh, a core group of those families went to the bank, and they said, we need more money to build our church. And the bank said, that's really great. Um, We'll we'll give you more money, but you're going to need to put something of value against the loan. So a small group of families uh, took their houses, their homes, and they put their homes up as collateral against the loan. 
Most of those families were families in their 30s, uh, looking right out of the windshield of life at a lifetime, a lifetime of expenses. I've been thinking about those uh, families, those small group of families who had to have gone to the bank and signed some really official uh, papers. They probably had to sign them 4,000 times. And don't you know that those families went home that night and after dinner and after they put the kids to bed because they didn't want the kids to know that they were feeling this way, they looked at one another and they said to each other, what did we do? Are we nuts? We just risked our houses. We got to pay for groceries. We got to pay for school. We still have to pay for the mortgage of this house. And you know what? It would be nice to go on a vacation sometime this decade, wouldn't it? Don't you know they doubted? And don't you know when they worked through their own self-doubt after they had gone to bed and woke up the next morning, don't you know they heard the very voice of God waiting for them that they heard In the beginning. And don't you know, in the days, in the weeks, in the months, in the years ahead, they looked out on this place and they saw how the living God transformed their gifts and their lives and their money and their money and transformed it into ministry for generations to come. And don't you know God looked upon them? Don't you know there was a moment where God looked at them and thought, why did you ever doubt yourselves? Why did you ever doubt? Friends, we have the same opportunity. Not to mortgage our houses this morning, though that would be quite a story, wouldn't it? You're awake now, I'm sure. I know what many of you are thinking. You first, Matthew. <laughs> but we do have the same opportunity. To risk faith. To risk something big for something good, to risk something big for the kingdom of God, trusting that God will take our gifts and our time and our money and transform them into ministry beyond our imagining. But we need to know that if we should take a risk, a real risk, Doubt will be waiting for us on the other side. Because when we risk something big for something good, it will stretch us. It will stretch our discipleship. But it will also lead us to a deeper path. And the voice of God will be waiting for us on the other side. This year, uh, the leadership of the church we feel called to engage in a ministry that will require a $3.85 million investment. That's uh, really a tiny increase from what 
investment we made last year. Let me put it to you this way. If every family who gave last year gave $5 more a week or $20 a month, if every family who made a commitment last year increased their commitment $5 a week or $20 a month, we would have to have a conversation at the board level about what to do with the remaining money because we would have taken in more than what we asked. You may be uh, here this morning thinking we've never made a commitment. We don't think we actually have anything to give. <laughs> does it make a difference? It does make a difference. Not just to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church, but to you. To your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It will help you understand that your life is beyond your own and what you control. So if you've uh, never made a commitment, $5 a week, $20 a month is a great place to start that journey. Friends, if we will take the step of faith and risk something big for something good, God will transform our gifts beyond all that we could imagine. And I know in the days ahead, after I work through my own personal doubts about Sarah and I's commit card. I know God's going to say to me what God said to Peter. Peter, why'd you doubt? It's going to be the same thing that God said to me after we moved here. And I became your pastor. Matthew, why'd you doubt in the driveway? the same thing that God says to me every single week around here as we seek to have conversations about equity and race. Matthew, why did you doubt that having conversations about how all my children can live together? Why did you doubt that that was a conversation worth having? Why did we doubt? For it's the same God who calls us into ministry and transforms our lives and gifts far beyond what we could ever imagine. So thanks be to God for a God like that and for a life like this. Let us pray. God, you risk something big for something good and created life. You risk something big for something good and created a world for us to call home. Help us to know, oh God, as we think and pray and decide and doubt, that you have modeled this journey for us. So help us to step out in faith. For we pray in your holy name. Amen. Family of God, I invite you now to rise in spirit or in body. And no matter how much doubt, big or small, we have to join together in the affirmation of our faith.
We acknowledge one God alone, whose demands on us are absolute, whose help for us is sufficient, that one is the Lord, whom we worship, serve, and love. We do not fully comprehend who God is or how God works. God's reality far exceeds all our words can say. The Lord's requirements are not always what we think is best. The Lord's care for us is not always what we want. God comes to us on God's own terms and is able to do far more than we ask or think. turn our attention to prayer, I remind you of our weekly uh, opportunity that we have to sign care letters. You will find those just outside the north transept doors under the windows. These letters are prepared for families and individuals experiencing something in their lives where prayer would be appreciated. So know that as you sign these letters, you are adding your name as a symbol of prayer and a representation of the support of this congregation. I also call to your attention the joys and concerns that you will find on the back of your bulletin and encourage you to include these prayers in your personal prayers in the coming week. Friends, let us go to God in prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of this day, for the promise that it brings, and for your grace, which is new every morning. We thank you for the abundance of your creation, and for the changing seasons, for bursting autumn colors and the crisp air that reminds us of your creative presence in our lives and in the world. In this past week, our attention has been drawn to those who have served and others who continue to serve in our nation's military. May we never take for granted the efforts of these women and men and their families who have given sacrificially for the sake of our country. Likewise, in the past week, we've been reminded of the prevalence of gun violence in our schools. We pray for comfort and for healing for those directly affected by these latest school shootings in Santa Clarita, California, and Atlantic City, New Jersey. And we pray fervently, Lord, for a path forward peace and safety. And in this past week, we have been reminded of the fracture and fragility in our national politics. We need you, Lord. Like Peter, there are times when we notice 
the strong winds of life, and we become frightened and doubtful. Our faith shrinks, and we find ourselves crying out to you for help. We seek your wisdom. For these are times when we can find it hard to know how to pray, and for what exactly to pray. As people of faith, we know that you are always with us. We believe that as our hearts break in the midst of tragedy and sorrow, your heart breaks too. Strengthen our resolve and give us courage to speak up for those whose voices are often silenced. Equip us for the work of ministry in our personal relationships and in our families, in our faith community, our city, and far beyond. We ask for your healing touch for those whose health is compromised at this time. We pray for your hand of healing and a word of encouragement and your simple presence to be in and among those who are victims of the tornado from last month. And we pray today, Lord, especially for those who have suffered due to that storm and who are beginning to feel forgotten. Help us to continue to be your hands and feet, a source of your light and your love. On this day in the life of our church, where we are making a commitment to our ongoing shared ministry and life together, give us courage not to doubt ourselves as we risk something big for something good. Help us to remember that we follow a faithful God who never leaves us nor forsakes us. Hear us now as we pray the prayer Christ taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Friends in faith, in this time of offering, please respond to the invitations you have received to make your commitment to the mission and ministry of Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. You can place your commitment cards in the offering place as they come through, and there are cards in your pew racks in front of you. And I want to thank those who have already made their commitment to 2020 and those who will make their commitments today. And all of y'all are invited to join us in the atrium following worship for a time of celebration as we look forward to the bright future that God has in store for us. As God has freely given to us, let us return with joy our morning tithes and offerings.
pray. God of our lives, you have blessed us in countless ways. As we offer our gifts to you, may we remember those who are forgotten by us too many times, the hungry, the lonely, the homeless, the vulnerable, all who are valued citizens in your kingdom of grace, justice, and hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. and we pray and we decide and then we doubt and then we do it all over again we think and we pray and we decide and we doubt it's the holy rhythm of what it means to be a person of faith and it is such a gift to be your pastor and to walk that journey with you so as you go forth from this hour of worship to be the church in the world my friends may god give you the grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth, and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them, and may God take our lips and speak through them, and may God take our hearts, each and every last one of them, and set them on fire 
And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, 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 many different ways this day and all of our days. May it be so. Amen.